Hello everyone, my name is Chris Gordon and welcome to the Readings Podcast. Uh, I'm delighted today to be having a conversation about one of my favourite women, Jermaine Greer. The reason that I'm going to be talking about Jermaine Greer is because my guest today, Elizabeth Kleinhans, has written a book all about Jermaine's life that has been taken from the archives of the University of Melbourne. Let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. And at this point, Elizabeth, jump in at any time because perhaps there's a correction. (laughs) Okay. Elizabeth was born in Melbourne where she's lived for most of her life. She's enjoyed a 35-year career with the Victorian Education Department as a teacher of English, history and German. Uh, In 2001, she joined the Australian Council for Educational Research where she still works as a senior research fellow. As a student in Melbourne, you heard many, many... uh, talks of this almost mythical figure, Jermaine Greer, uh, urged on by your mum, you read The Female Eunuch and the call that rallied women to assert their female power, and like your mum and millions of others, this book changed your life. You've been one of the first researchers permitted to trawl through the Jermaine Greer archive. Can you tell us about those archives in the very first instance? Yes, certainly. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is that the archive is absolutely vast, um, something like 500 boxes um, of material. I've heard this, 487 archive boxes. Mm. Insane. Yes. And um, it was a very, it wasn't an easy task going through because there's there's a lot of stuff in there that um, is, is quite wonderful, of course. It's all quite wonderful. Um, but there was a lot that wasn't quite what I was looking for for my project. So mm. it entailed just going, going, being very, very patient and going through a lot of material to find that one gem or that one treasure that, that I knew I was going to be able to use. I mean, this archive is quite an extraordinary uh, asset, I guess, to the University of Melbourne, isn't it, that it covers uh, 82 metres of shelf space? Yes. Uh, so the team was sort of sent over to England to clear out Jermaine's belongings. Yes. And it's not just letters. My understanding is that there's also videos, there's computers, yes. there's photos. Yes. It's, I, I can't even imagine where you would start. Well, fortunately, the, the team, uh, Rachel Buchanan was the uh, appointed as curator and she had an excellent team. So they managed to get it into a very manageable state and they had these wonderful things called finding aids, oh. which were terrific. What, um, is, what is it? What is a finding aid? What does that mean? Well, it's basically a list of everything that's in the archive. Ah, gotcha. Um, and uh, it's, it's electronic. And what you can do is do a search and find for something that you're looking for. So once you've found the right file, you can just go in and say you want to find something about or what a person that Jermaine knew, her mother, if you like. So, you know, just search and find. You type in mother and then it all comes up. So that was that was very helpful, actually. So but, when you decided to write this book about Jermaine, did you have a very clear idea about what sort of information you wanted to share with the rest of the world or you were just open to seeing what was in those archives? Um, I think the latter. Mm. Um, I was um, quite open, mm. and it, it wasn't just the archives that 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 set me off. I was interested to uh, tell Jermaine's story, mm. and uh, the archives just happened to be there at the same time. So I thought, well, this is you know the stars are in alignment. They absolutely were. But perhaps <laughs> I mean, is this true? I mean, I've heard Jermaine say that. Uh, 
biographical people are parasites. Yes, that's she's a worry. not she's not keen on this. Is no. She? Well, that's the other interesting thing, that when I started, I didn't know that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you hadn't read that quote. I, I, I didn't really know an awful lot. I mean, I'd read her books, or not all of them. Have but you, oh, you hadn't even read all of the books? I hadn't read all of them. Yeah, I'd read right. the, everyone had read The Female Eunuch, and I read The Change, I think, and I read Daddy, and I had read her books, and then I'd read about her, of course, and yep. she'd been, you know, kind of, she's she's a couple of years older than me, but, mm. but similar generation. And uh, so she'd kind of been with me all my life. So I was interested. So there was the interest. And then I thought, you know, I'd just like to tell the story of her life and, mm. and look at her work and her influence on second wave feminism. So it was all those kind of fairly vague ideas. Um, yeah, and then the archive came along <laughs> and gradually it got together. But then um, I met um, Christine Wallace, the person yeah. she wrote the first the par- biography. The very first parasite. She was the first parasite. <laughs> And I had lunch with um, with Christine, and she <laughs> she told me well, she told me how it really was, and I until that point I had really no idea that that Jermaine Greer was so opposed to the idea of people writing books about living, not just her, but books about living people. I mean, that's what she says, isn't it, famously? Just wait till I'm dead. She did. Yeah. She wrote me a, an email, actually. And oh. s- yeah, she said, at least you could have had the courtesy, quote, at least you could have had the courtesy to wait till I was dead. To which I replied, I'm almost as old as you are and I may well, very well be dead before you. <laughs> it seems to me that you've got quite a few years to go. <laughs> Um, yeah, so... Uh, did, so so did you have very much correspondence with her? I know that at the very no. beginning there was no, a just, little bit of to and fro. No, but not really, no. Mm. Um, I received a letter from her about ooh, maybe six months ago. Ah. Um, and I'm not quite sure why she bothered at that stage. Um, but I had asked... I, the other other problem is that she's, she's asked people not to talk to biographers. Yeah. So I knew that. And I didn't approach her family. She's a sister, Jane. She's quite close with her sister. And very, yes. And so I didn't approach Jane until about six months ago. And then somebody said to me, well, if you don't even ask, um, you're leaving yourself open because they can say you didn't even try. So I wrote to Jane and explained. And then Jermaine more or less replied on her sister's behalf. And said, Um, oh, you know, bugger off, yeah, exactly. Like on one level, I, I sort yeah. of think fair enough. Yes, I do too. I actually, when I when I got the parasite thing, <laughs> I struggled for a little while. Oh. I really did. I um, because no one wants to, you know, no one wants to go into a project that isn't kind of morals. Probably not quite the right word, but you know, you don't want to go into something that's not quite right. So I thought about it very hard, but. I'm pretty much over it. I mean, I think she's a public person. She's a public person. She sold her archives. She sold her life. And exactly. And, and that made it public property. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, you don't sell your archive and then don't expect no one's that mm. no one will do anything about it. That's right. So I think all of that. And then I thought the other the other thing I've thought more lately is that, you know, I really do believe that Jermaine Greer is a, a very, very... She's probably the most prominent, certainly Australian woman of our, our entire time. I agree. Um, she's been extremely influential. Mm. She's um, quite brilliant. She's probably a genius. Oh, I think that she's a genius. Actually. And I think her story deserves to be told and yeah. people deserve to know 
um, who she is and what she is. When you think about Jermaine after all the letters and all the reviews and books that you've read and going crawling through those archives and actually being a person that's received letters from her, would you call her a morally uh, good person? Yes. Mm. I've got no doubt, absolutely yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Um, she's an extremely morally good person. She has... Um, well, probably like all of us, she has principles. She might occasionally stray a little bit from the principles, but on the whole, she's highly principled and, and yes, definitely a moral person. Probably goes back to her convent upbringing, I'd say. She had a very religious... Not that religious people are necessarily moral. But no, it, but the rules are spelt out. But the rules are spelt out, yes. It seems to me that, uh, from reading your book, that she didn't have such a great relationship with her mum. Oh, no, shocking. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Her mother was basically a housewife, mm. a suburban housewife, and she had an idea of how families and homes and everything should work, and it was the exact opposite of anything that Jermaine wanted. Um, Jermaine was utterly precocious, and her mother just couldn't handle her, basically, mm. And then her mother would retaliate by hitting her, by being violent with her, by screaming at her. Um, the marriage, her, the mother's marriage, oh, Jermaine, it was a very unhappy marriage. Yeah. So basically it was a very unhappy home. No one could handle Jermaine. Um, and she just lashed back all the time. She fought back against her mother the whole time. And it was just not very, just not a happy thing. She got away from home as soon as she could. She did from Mentone. Mm. Mm. Yeah, she hated Mentone. Yeah, hates absolutely. (laughs) Can you imagine it back then? Yes, it would have seemed like a desert. Yes, Mm. I think it was sixteen or seventeen stations on the train to get into the city, and she hated it. I mean, it's such a a terrible tragedy. I think when uh, people have tragic relationships with their parents and but actually that's not Jermaine's only sort of fragile relationship is it I mean she seems to have had these quite fraught relationships throughout her whole life yes there might be very intense periods of of friendship and and sharing of ideas and then they seem to to fall by the wayside was that a pattern that you picked up going through archives Mm. absolutely I I I actually formed a bit of a relationship myself with her people who went to school with her oh, high school, school friends, high school, yeah, and or even primary schoolers. One wow. one woman, um, Jan Coleman, I can mention her. She was in primary school with Jabane, mm. and uh, the families lived quite close to each other, and she knew her really well. And there were, there were others. Jan wasn't the only one, but they there was a pretty consistent picture, and that was that they really loved her because she was so funny and she was so clever Mm. and they had a marvellous time. But they all said the same thing, you never knew when she might turn on you. Yeah. And so they they never really felt quite secure or quite safe with her and that seems to have gone on her whole life. It does, doesn't it? You Mm. you do sort of hear about these... uh, relationships that she has with yes. different journalists or different yes. public figures. Yes. And it seems so intense at the start and they might even all be going on holidays together or, or right. living together yes. and then bang, it's over. Yes, it's over. Yes. Yeah. And there's poisonous. Yes. Sort of is. letters going backwards and exactly. forwards. Exactly. And I think one of the most interesting things is that she has friends that she's had all her life mm. 
But when I looked at it, most of those people like this, uh, Margaret Fink lives in Sydney mm. and she's very close to Margaret Fink and her family, but they live a long way from each other. Yeah. And they don't see all that much of each other, maybe a couple of times a year at the most. Sounds perfect. And that <laughs> seems to be there are other people too and it's the best friends that she has are those that are kept at a, at a distance. She doesn't want to get too close. It's interesting, isn't it? So it's actually also very sad just listening very to sad. that. It makes me feel very that sad. this woman who gave us all, all of us women yes. such a strong identity and such uh, the words to rally against the yes. norm has yes. not found some sort of peace or something it feels yes. like. I don't think she's found peace. Yeah. I very much doubt that. I don't think she ever... I don't think she ever will. Yeah, mm. just not that type of person. And that is kind of sad. When we're talk- thinking about some of her fraught relationships, how, am I right in assuming, having read your that it seems to me that many of those relationships that have gone sour tend to be with males, that she can yes. pull them close and then fling them out. I mean, yes. and people, men, it seems to me, are even more insulting about her than, than women, perhaps not surprisingly. I mean, was it Salman Rushdie that also said that she was actually stuck, barking, she did, barking insane mad. or something. Barking mad. She barking said she's mad. barking mad. He said she's quite mad. Yes. And, uh, yeah, no, she hasn't had – she said herself um, – I heard she was on Q&A and uh, someone said, oh, you've had a lot of experience of falling in love or something. And she said, I'm not good at falling in love, believe me. And she said Worse it herself. falling out of love, it sounds mm. like. She mm. said it herself. But it's that getting close again. You see, yeah, as soon is. as she gets too close – then she she backs off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just terribly sad. Uh, so she has always, Jermaine has always had the same sort of line, perhaps when she's thinking about feminism and thinking about women's lives, is that women have been outsmarted by men. Yes. That doesn't mean that women are not as smart as men, obviously, but, but that women have uh, not done well in the game of chess. That's right. Yes. What's your sort of taking about? And that that theme hasn't changed from the female unique right up to to her. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that. um, I mean, she's right. Of course. I mean, she actually is. The the, uh, everything's always been stacked against women, and um, that has changed for the better now. But uh, it's still still the case. Uh, But I think that the great contribution that Jermaine made to all of this is that she. From the very beginning, and she has been consistent in this, I think, is that she says, look, it's no use putting all the blame on the men. Yeah. She said, no use blaming all the men. She said, it's, we can carry on, we can try and change our institutions and do all of these things, but, but in the end, women need to take responsibility too. And a great part of women's problem is that they have been conditioned into their role Mm. of sort of inferior beings. So she's always kind of taking it, uh, taken it as a, as a starting point for women to look to themselves, you know, what can you do about this? Mm. And I think that's really important that she's done that. It's not, she's not saying that men don't need to change because, yes, they do too. But it's that thing of not putting everything onto them to get women to look and see what they can do. I and mean, she's been criticised for oh, that she's by been, the feminists, you oh, see. Well, she's been criticised quite a lot just recently, hasn't she? I mean, she has been. I, I mean, it's it's not been pleasant, I wouldn't have thought, to be Jermaine at the moment. I would think that she'd been misquoted and... Yes, misunderstood. Misunderstood. Mm. In that way, social media, which wasn't around 
when she was she first began this yes. extraordinary journey of yes. public debate. And it's not doing her any favours now, is it? Doesn't seem to be, does it? No, it no. breaks my heart a little, actually. Uh, what, what's your sort of feeling about that? That uh, that she's being misquoted, that she's being underrepresented, people are not reading her essays. What, what, what's happening? Why is there such a backlash? I think, as you say, I think social media has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I find social media fairly superficial yeah. of its nature. Um, and if you just... You can't be superficial about Jermaine's arguments because they're actually quite sophisticated. So if you try to just take them, you know, on a glib, superficial level, then there's a lot of misrepresentation. And she'll say herself, I didn't, I never said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but if something gets repeated often enough, then people well, it seems think to be at the moment. I mean, this, her essay on, on rape is... Uh, I would be very interested to see how many people had actually read the essay. Exactly. Well, I, I haven't because I just got it this morning. Oh. <laughs> and I, I've read extracts and I've heard her talking about it and I'm looking forward to to reading it. Um, but unlike a lot of people on social media, I'm fairly loath to say anything about it until I've read it. <laughs> mm, that's right. That seems yeah. to be happening. But I feel like that's happened to her whole life. It has. I feel like that actually people have made these very uh, wide sort of statements about Jermaine Greer yes. from the from the 70s all the way yes. through. I mean, there was a time about 10, 15 years ago when I used to think that Jermaine was portrayed as some sort of mad woman living with her geese out in, in England. Yes, and yes. It's crazy and people were not looking to her work on, on Shakespeare That's or, right. or her work that she's been doing with Indigenous yes. Australia or the yes. preservation of, of land. Yes. What, yes. Why do you, what is that? Do we all just like a scapegoat? What, what's going I on? I don't know. Someone said to me yesterday, uh, someone, um, a relative of mine who I know pretty well, I wouldn't have expected, she said, oh, well, of course, she is a man-hater, isn't she? Mm. And I said, no, <laughs> not at mm. all. Um, she's not a man-hater. She's probably, a, you know, as a feminist, she's really, as I said, she's been criticised by feminists for, for not being man-hating enough. So, yeah, these things just get said. Maybe they get said of all famous people. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. They I, certainly... reckon, I reckon women get a fair... Well, not a fair... I, I, I think that women actually get slaughtered. A lot more. Well, than men. that's a point too. I really that is do. very that is a very, very good point. Yeah. That's true. And I think she understands that too. She does. She yeah. does. And in that way I can't blame her for just going, Hey, stop writing about me, wait till I'm dead and But having said that, your book is so, so interesting and it does give us an opportunity to glimpse into her sort of life, doesn't it? Of yes. by going through these archives. What did you find out that you didn't know? When you were going through, it was oh, the that's a that's a that's a really good question. Um, I didn't know that um, she was a proficient dressmaker. That she makes or made all her own clothes. Mm. That she knits. Mm. Um, that she's a gardener mm. par excellence. She bottles her own fruit. All of those things, I had no idea. I didn't know about her journalism and about her work for um, disadvantaged and deprived people in countries like Ethiopia and so forth. I didn't know. I didn't know she'd done any of that. Yeah. Uh, I knew that she was a Shakespearean scholar, mm. but I had no idea of her eminence 
as a oh, Shakespearean mm. scholar. Well, that's, she, that's what she's been teaching for years and years. Yes, yeah. um, and I didn't know that she's also been collecting the works of women poets and publishing them. She has her own publishing house of works of women poets. And I guess the overall answer is that I just didn't know that she had done so much and worked so hard in so many fields. I love to think of her buying this land up in Queensland and just resurrecting it to its former glory. Yes. People would never associate Jermaine Greer with someone that was a conservationist. No, but... There you go. There it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Done a great job. She really, she really, really has. Is there things about Jermaine that you don't like? Well, people, someone asked me the question, actually the other way around, said, do you like her? Mm. I'm going to ask you that as well. But is there things that you don't like? Are there things that I don't like? Um, Oh, I wish she wouldn't sort of be so angry and she's very rude she really is she's incredibly rude I mean even the couple of letters that she's written to me she just hasn't hung back at all and it's it's really rude ill-mannered it's actually so funny she just doesn't care she really doesn't care (laughs) under freedom imagine that I know she just she'll say what she thinks and she doesn't care She, she doesn't care what People think, well, she, I think she does care what people think right, about her. Yeah. I really do. I think she does care. But maybe she doesn't notice. Maybe it's just that she doesn't notice. And then when it's brought to her attention, then I think she cares. But, yeah, I think her rudeness, her bombast, that's the sort of thing that I find rather unnecessary. But then I, there's part of me that says without that, without that attitude, we wouldn't have got perhaps the female unique at all. We would wouldn't have got the change. Yeah, it we would have been have, different. Absolutely. We wouldn't have got the whole woman. Like there was there was so many of her written work wouldn't have happened if she wasn't so pissed off and yes. so verbose in her kind of demands of yes. us and of men. But personal rudeness, I mean yeah. some of the letters that she's written to her pub- publishers <laughs> Just incredible, you know. I thought that was, I was I, mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say these words, but she tells them to f off. Oh, I think all you can the say time. It loud can and I clear. say it? And she say, "You fucked up my manuscript, <laughs> and don't do it again." And and really, and some poor poor little editor sitting there doing yeah. the best they can, yeah. and she's oh. just full of abuse. Uh, that that if you ask me what what I don't like, I, I reckon it's a bit too much sometimes. Yeah, right. I don't think I don't think it's necessary to be quite so quite so rude. Would you be mad with her? That's the question, yes, Mm. that's the question. Um, And I've thought about that, and the answer is that um, I think I would like her, but I don't think she she doesn't like me, obviously. Well, she doesn't because of what I've done. She doesn't know me. No, she doesn't know you. I think that she would like you. She would be. (laughs) What is there not to like? (laughs) There's a woman that's worked her whole life, that's raised, you know, daughters, strong daughters, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think she'd like me. I really don't. I, because, only yeah, because of what I have done. I have dared to do. I think that's. Yeah, I have dared to defy her and and do something that she doesn't want to do, and she would want to hurt me, and she would want to. Oh, you think that she'd be? I do. Death. I think she would want to hurt me as she did Christine Wallace. Um, in fact, I even wonder now: is she is she looking around for a weak point that she can move in and attack me on? Oh, what a terrible feeling to have! Yeah, it is. It is. And I imagine that's how she feels all the time. Yeah, 
To be honest. To be honest, that, yes. And especially at the moment, I imagine that every time she opens up her mouth, she would be wondering if she's going to... Well, yes. ...be... Be attacked. Be attacked for whatever reason. So she's striking back. Oh, yeah. But when you say, you know, would I like to be a mate? Yes, I love her humour and I love her intellect and I'd love to sit down and have a coffee with her. Like her school friends of old, though, I would be on my guard because I might think that at any time she might turn on me. So it's mixed. I have mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, I wrote a biography of Kathleen Fitzpatrick. Mm, that was your first um, book. My first book. And uh, I, as I wrote it, I just thought I would just love to be Kathleen's friend, you know. I would love to have a coffee with her. I'd love to know Kathleen. Mm. I felt really warm towards her. Yeah. And I don't have those feelings about <laughs> Jermaine. <laughs> Do you have gratitude towards her? Gratitude? Yes, of course. Mm. I think we all, all women deserve... You know, we owe her. We do owe her. We owe her. So I've got a feeling definitely uh, I feel grateful in that in that way. Yes, I do. Uh, do you think that Jermaine Greer would have been uh, so celebrated or not if she was a male? I think about some of her contemporaries, Barry Humphreys perhaps... They seem to have got away with so, so much more than she does. Do you think that's because she is uh, fiery? She has, Or do you think it's because she's a woman? Well, all, all of that. I think it's because she's fiery, because she's a woman. Mm. And the other thing we must never forget about Jermaine is that she's a great performer. Yes. Um, and she was uh, an actor at university in production she was on uh, national television in England in mm. nice time oh, and, and also on Big Brother and yeah oh, <laughs> yes that was a big mistake it <laughs> was a big mistake but she is a performer and yeah. uh, we have some evidence that her father um, was interested in acting too at some stage so I think there's something in her that is quite a natural performance she's very good uh, so I think it's the fact that she's a performer um, has helped her a lot. Yeah. She puts on a very, very good show and she that's does. carried her through quite brilliantly. Oh. <laughs> so you've now written this book about Jermaine. Uh, you've learnt more about this extraordinary woman than you ever thought possible. Yes. Uh, you haven't shared everything I imagine that you found in those archives into this book because it's very... No. no you've You've just picked up some of the... Uh, perhaps her influential moments yes. and the moments that we remember as a public when we reflect back on her yes. life. Now that you've written it, how, how long did it take you actually to write? Good question. I mean, those archives haven't been there for that long. No. Well, they were they they were opened. I think I first looked at them in I think two thousand and fifteen, and then they were closed. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't look at them anymore. Yeah. And that was good. Because it gave you the space. It gave me the space and it also sent me to other sources so that by the time they were reopened in 2016, I had that context. Yeah. And that was just fortuitous, really. Uh, Yes, I couldn't use everything that was there. Some of it, um, it's restricted, of course, and I had to jump through a lot of hoops um, to get access. 
And then I was strictly told, and Germaine Greer herself has said, anything that might reflect badly on other people, um, you just have to ignore. There's a few things there that I thought, no, this is not going to wash. Yeah. Um, and so there were things like that that, that, that didn't make it. Um, but, yeah, there was certainly plenty of other stuff there. That was uh, oh, huge, as you can imagine. Uh, enormous. <laughs> it was wonderful. What, a, what an extraordinary time that you've had to yes. get to go through... Yes, this person life. But now that now that work has all been done and you've you've closed the cover on that, is this sort of the type of writing that you want to continue to do, where you investigate someone's life and put it into a context that makes it the type of book that you can curl up with on the couch and read? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm giving some thought to that, mm. and I haven't made any just any decisions. But what I thought I might do next time is just write a novel. Really. <laughs> Ooh, I, I think thought, that, I think that's going to be quite difficult. I think that's a difficult task. But well, what it's a, totally what a different. Joy. What um, a joy! I thought I just might have a go and see what it feels like to just make stuff up, because <laughs> it's a big temptation when you're writing a biography. There is a temptation yeah, to embellish and to add, and and you can't do that. I mean, mm. it's I've as, as you know, I've also been a researcher in education, and you have to be strictly. Um, really scrupulously honest and you can't add bits and you can't, you know, add things in. But I thought, well, with a novel, I could just let myself go. I can make up everything. You could. You <laughs> and could. that could be fun. I think that would be incredible fun. <laughs> uh, one of the ways that we always finish up our podcast is by asking the person that we're talking with what they're reading now, what's on your bedside table. What's on? Oh, look, um, I blush. Why? Leanne Moriarty. Oh, the, no, that's <laughs> terrific. Which one? The, the Nine Perfect Strangers? Can't remember. I can never remember the name of books. Is it her latest uh, one? It's her latest one, I think. It's Nine got Perfect a, It's Strangers. got a green cover. <laughs> but the other one that I'm reading is the Stan Grant book. Oh, um, I'm reading that for country. my... That's wonderful. Yeah. That is really, really, really wonderful. Yeah, he's terrific, and, um, actually. He's, he's just amazing. I'm still absorbing all of that. Mm. It's uh, It's a wonderful... Marvellous book. I think it sounds like you've got both both parts of your life sorted there, with the novel, <laughs> the non-fiction. Well, who knows? <laughs> I enjoyed reading your book so much. Oh, thank you, Chris. Uh, I've been an enormous fan of Jermaine Greer's uh, work for, since the beginning of time, and like you, my mum gave me The Female Eunuch when, uh-huh. I, was, when I was about 17, 18. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Look, it didn't change my life, but it certainly changed my mum's life, and that did. Yes. And I have read most of her work. I did find out things about Jermaine that I didn't know existed, thanks mm. to you, so thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I think it's important that we do have another story of Jermaine out there. At the moment, my heart is breaking for her and for all of those women that it seems like her words are affecting when they haven't actually um, thought about the contribution that she has made to yes. Australian public life and, in fact, to the world. To the world, to yes. To the world. Yes. Uh, we are talking about someone whose capacity to give seems never-ending. Yes. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for, Thanks, Chris. for your, your wonderful book. What I do say is that it's very easy to read, not... Um, almost chatty in tone, which I enjoyed. That's what I was aiming for. It really was. It, it felt like that you and I were sitting here as we are now, yeah. having a bit of a natter. Uh-huh. And I, I think that your your book is like that. So thank you. Thank you from thank a fan you. of Jermaine Greer's work. Thank you for this contribution and for making sense of those archives. Uh, 
I'm looking forward to the conversations that come out yes. when more and more people have read your book. Yes. Congratulations. And thank you so much for being part of the Readings Podcast. It was a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Trippy. 